the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axel Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey, here with a seemingly very sleepy Nadia Oxford. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm perpetually sleepy, so nothing new over here. You've been pretty busy, though, because you got an SNES classic in your hands. Yeah. You got to play it a whole bunch this week. Yes, I did. When I finally got it, it kind of arrived a little bit late uh, because Nintendo thought my name is Nadia Webster. And Ugh. that was a really funny error, comedy of errors. Well, it was funny. It's funny in hindsight. It wasn't funny at the time. <laughs> you ever watch Broad City, Nadia? No, but I think my father's a big fan. I love that show. There's an amazing episode where one of the characters is expected to, was is asked by her neighbor to wait for like a UPS package or something like that. Mm. And she ends up missing it like by five seconds or something. Gosh. And what follows is a hilarious comedy of errors as she basically tries to track the thing down all across New York City (laughs) until finally having to take multiple forms of public transit to get to this super isolated island. And then she needs some kind of form of ID, but they won't take her ID because she's waiting for her neighbor. And yeah, it's a pretty amazing. It's a great episode. I I think you would like Broad City, Nadia. Actually, if my father likes it, I'd probably like it. I mean, that's pretty much what happened to you, right? Like, you had to go to the middle of nowhere in Ontario to be able to track down uh, the package meant for Nadia Webster, which did not have an apartment number on it, by the way. But no, what I did was I I went nuts on Twitter, and maybe some people remember that. I, like, you know, kind of uh, read them the riot act on Twitter and said, what the hell? You guys didn't even leave me a thing saying, hey, there's a package here. Come pick it up. I just found out because you got the tracking number for me, and it's discovered, oh, it's in Don Mills, which is, you know, like, middle of nowhere, Toronto. So, um, but what's really funny is that I'm pretty sure Nintendo thinks I'm Andrew Webster, who's a friend of mine, who's also a games writer and also lives in Toronto. So they amalgamated uh, us, I guess. Oh man, yeah, that's probably what happened. Ugh, man, that shows how high a regard they keep hold us in. Yeah. But. <laughs> Dang. But uh, so you went crazy on Twitter. Did that do the trick? I did did the it trick. shame them into? I shamed them into re-delivering the package. See, that's what you got to do. Yeah. You got to go crazy on Twitter because if there's one thing they hate is people going nuts on social media. That is the, the number one way to get your point across and you're in a bitchin' mood. Yes, I, not too long ago, so like long story short, uh, a movie theater near our house completely changed and it became horrible in every respect. And in the midst of waiting 45 minutes for some food before I could go and see the movie that I was supposed to go see, I went completely crazy wow. on Twitter. Okay. And they saw it. They saw my tweet and acknowledged it, but I didn't care. Like I was like, I know, it's too late. You destroyed the movie theater. I just want you to know that I'm never going there again. You screwed it up. You ruined my favorite theater, Aww. you jerks. I'm such a hipster. <laughs> I gotta say, I haven't been to like a private small theater in 20 years. What? What? You haven't been to a movie theater in twenty years? No, I mean like one of the small private ones that were like you know where the floors are sticky and the everyone there's no sta- it's no stadium seating so people like me are screwed. Um, yeah, no, this place is um, it was a local place that was bought out by AMC oh, do that it. had really good food and really good drinks and like twenty one plus seating and like a balcony and they would periodically show stuff like Studio Ghibli films oh, and everything. Nice, but nice. it was my preferred place to go watch Special movies. Special spot, and now it's gone. 
completely ruined. Yes, but I digress. So we're going to talk a little bit about the SNES Classic. We're going to talk about the worst RPGs, the RPGs from hell. Thunder lightning. <laughs> uh, for the SNES Classic, because that's what I... I, I pitched to you the idea, Nadia, of doing the SNES Classic Collection from yes. Hell, which is all the worst games for the SNES, which actually there are a lot of bad games on the SNES, be believe it or write. not. Yes, there are several. Yes, so look for that next week. But that inspired me to look. Uh, the SNES RPGs, they get all the praise, Nadia. Mm-hmm. Like everybody always is talking about how good they are and blah final fantasy 6 this and chrono trigger that and earthbound this thing oh, but let's talk about some of the crappy rpgs let's talk about the ones that are very good oh yeah and we're also going to do a final fantasy 9 report because yep. you've been playing more i've been playing more final fantasy 9 yes i have yes but before we get into that just tell me is having a final a super nes classic as sublime as i imagine it to be uh, it's pretty great but the only problem is uh i'm playing one game and then i jump to the other and then i jump back to the other and i'm just like a squirrel on crack uh i can't control myself that sounds like the naughty that i know you're a squirrel on crack anyway <laughs> i'm way too sleepy to be a squirrel on crack more like a squirrel on weed S- squirrel on vicodin there we go that's the one <laughs> uh Yes, the best part of waking up is perks set in your cup. But <laughs> so, so you're you're well, jumping between different games. What have you been playing? Well, you know what? I started up a new game of Final Fantasy VI because I haven't played that game in in a long, long time, and uh, so I'm working through that. I'm also Many working moons. through a game of Secret of Mana, of course. Um, I'm also I haven't started Earthbound yet. I might wait on that. But I've also been kind of jumping. Like the first game I started up was Castlevania Four. Because that's just one of those... Oh, why that one? That's just one of those games I love just playing the opening stage over and over and over again. That and Mega Man X is the same deal where I just... It's just so much fun to... to, It's a really good warm-up game. Both of them are really good warm-up games. Mm. I've never finished Mega Man X. Really? I've gotten as far as Sigma. Oh, that first Sigma stage is so fantastic. That music. Oh, man. Uh, I'm, I may have actually, I always seem to run into trouble with the second Sigma, the uh, second Sigma boss. Like I, it gets really hard. Do you mean his final, his second form or the, the second stage boss? The second stage boss, I think. I'm trying to remember who that was. That wasn't the Rangda Bangda thing on the wall. No, I can't remember who that was. But I've definitely, I, I haven't finished Mega Man X, but I've gotten really far. Let's put it this way. I, I, I beat all the bosses and everything. Good enough. So, yeah. Good enough, but... <laughs> You've done it. Yeah, I think the first game that I'm... So, here's the thing. I'm going to get a Super NES Classic tomorrow, mm-hmm. come hell or high water. Yeah, either I'm going to get it... Either I'm getting it from Target in the morning, or I'm going over to Matt's apartment and kicking down his door and taking it from him. <laughs> It'll answer in his pajamas. What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> because I'm the boss. Yeah, it's true. You, you, and have, then, you have jurisdiction over us. Yes, I own you. Um... <laughs> And I'm taking it back to my place, and then I am hosting an SNES marathon yes. on Twitch that will last from like 11 a.m. Pacific to God knows when. I'll, I plan to be playing for several Until hours. Until your eyeballs fall out. And the first game I'm going to be playing is the one that is just the most comfortable and the best and the most wonderful to me, and that is Super Mario World. That makes sense. That's a good starting point. Yes, I know Super Mario World inside and outside, like the back of my hand. I have finished that game so many times. I have managed to get all of the secrets and everything. 
So I don't know if I'm going to be finishing it, but I do plan to get relatively far mm-hmm. in Super Mario World. Well, with- and then from there, I'll be like, audience, who what do, do you want, want me to play? <laughs> Hand over the wheel. Probably to they'll be like, Star Fox 2. And I'll be like, okay. But... Yeah, I, I so played. I'm um, looking forward to that. Star Fox Two was uh, the last one I reviewed, of course, and uh, uh, some people are really crazy about it. I, I just was not. I also am. Yes, you could should go check out Nadia's yes, review on the site. As for RPGs that I'm going to play, I think I've said on this podcast that I'm planning on playing Secret of Mana. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm potentially doing a Secret of Mana report yes. on the site. Uh, in addition to discussing it on this podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, one thing I'm not going to do, Nadia? Mm-hmm. I am not going to hack my SNES Classic and put ROMs on no, it. No, I'm not going to do that. What's the point? Well, it's not just it's not just that it feels a little pointless because there's already an amazing collection of games, though Chrono Trigger would be a great I, addition. I would like Chrono Trigger on there. It's that I have a few friends who own NES Classics, mm-hmm. and they have all hacked their <laughs> NES Classic and put ROMs on it. Right, them. okay. And I have played these ROMs, and the emulation is not great. Of course not. Because I don't know if they've been optimized in the NES Classic or what's going on, but stuff like Battletoads. Oh, God. And, yeah, like, Battletoads wasn't looking super great. Like, there are weird glitches going on. The whole nine yards. I I need a really good version of whatever game I'm playing. I I can't deal with the glitches, and I'm sure it would be just as bad on the SNES Classic. Yeah, and the thing about the SNES Classic, too, this is something I just published on the site uh, at the time of this recording, but basically I think the SNES Classic does a much better job than the NES Classic uh, of being a a really good, solid, retro nostalgia machine because the lineup is just sublime, whereas the NES Classic, the games are good, and many of them are great. But you also have a lot of those early Nintendo arcade conversions that were just kind of like, you look, you go back to them now, and it's like, eh, okay, I'll play Diminished Donkey Kong for the 1500th time, whatever. But <laughs> Whereas, like... But it's got Tecmo Bowl. I didn't grow up with Tecmo Bowl. I don't think anyone I grew up with played Tecmo Bowl. Everyone played ice hockey and Blades of Steel. Me. <laughs> I played Tecmo Bowl. Well, we didn't grow up together, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I know. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Believe it or not, Tecmo Bowl is the only game I still play on the NES Classic. Also Ninja Gaiden. Course, because, like Mario World, that is a game that I will play until my eyes bleed because I've finished it so many times. Yeah, but. like the one-hit wonder. Remember that? When you just blitzed everyone? Yes. I got to like... Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I got really far. I got... I think I got to the second level of... Uh, second area of level three. Really and far. I yeah. I bet I could have made it all the way to level four if things had broken just right. Mm. But, you know, I got hit by one of those stupid bazooka men. Uh Beyond Secret of Mana, I, I really do also want to pick up Final Fantasy VI again because it's been too long and I have the ROM on my Wii. Yeah. But it's nice and accessible here on the SNES Classic. Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm I'm enjoying going back to it. I'm really enjoying Secret of Mana again. It's just like a, like I said also in, in my write-up today, I said it's really the kind of machine you, you spend a lot of time with, whereas the NES Classic, it's like, do-do-do, 30 seconds, uh, move on, do, 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 30 seconds, <laughs> move on. This is a ga- this is a little system you can pour hours into, like literally. Though you've been kind of a squirrel on crack, so you've had a hard time yes. focusing on just one thing. Yes, very much so. All right. Uh, before we move on, any like major revelations, anything that occurred to you that you hadn't really thought of before playing the SNES Classic? Um, I just thought about how I have not tried Super Mario World yet, and that's really odd to mm-hmm. me. I mean, you own it. I oh, mean, I mean, you played it, it before, like, obviously. You're talking about, oh, the first game I'm going to go to is, is Super Mario World. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But then I think about it, and it's like, 
oh, I didn't even touch it. I didn't even think about it. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, you finished Mario World, right? Oh, years ago, yeah. But it just has doesn't have much hold on you? You're not super interested in playing it? No, it's funny. It's a fantastic game. I mean, I gave it, I think, a 5 out of 5 when I reviewed it, and it still deserves that. And, of course, I played it back then when I re- kind of replayed it for, for review. But the first action game I went for was, like, Castlevania 4 and Mega Man X. Huh, weird that. I would give Mario World a 4.5 out of 5. Would you? Yeah, because... And this is a digression from RPG stuff, obviously, but I think that the levels get too samey. Oh, really? I never thought, I never really had that problem with it. Yeah, the tile sets all start to kind of blend into one another a little bit. Mm -hmm. And while I think that the cape power up and Yoshi power up are all both really good, it lacks some of the variety found in other games. You do kind of play the game with it. Yeah, I, I do really like all of the secret exits and everything. Mm-hmm. That's really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some really phenomenal, just great stuff, like Finding Star Road and yeah, all that. that's great. But I am also firmly Team Mario 3, and a lot of that is to do with just how wonderfully designed all of the levels are, mm-hmm. h- how much variety there is, how how much each world stands apart on its own and has its own interesting quirks, yeah. stuff like Sky World. Uh, it and the giant world and the it's it's so good. I totally it's agree. So so I, I good. I really feel I am also Team Mario Three. Uh, because just the way that Mario Three really captured the imagination the first time you played it, the, it, it's just such a jump from Mario One to Mario Three that is unfathomable almost. And yes. Mario World is incredible, but it doesn't really have that sense of wow to it. I mean, I was pretty blown away by it back in 1991, but I was also like eight years old. So, (laughs) you know, I was easily impressed. Oh, my God. Video games. And listen to that music. I did love the 3D maps. Those were incredible. Yes. Those blew my mind. All right. Enough about good games. Let's talk about some crappy games, (laughs) Nadia. Oh, boy. Let's. All right. So I was saying that, like, let's, let's go back. Back to some of the crappier RPGs uh, on the SNES. And and there were a few. Mm, there were. There definitely. were a few. Uh, uh, let's start with one that I, I think a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. It was released by Square. Oh, boy. And it was tailor-made for the American audience. Yeah, was it ever. And the first one I want to talk about really quickly, Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Oh, boy. Nadia, did you play that one back in the day? Not back in the day, but I, I have played it. I never finished it. Um, I feel like it really has the potential to be an okay, good game. Like, first of all, I do like the fact I got rid of random encounters. I'm pretty okay with that. Yes. The fans... People considered that a bad thing no, back in the day. I, I'm okay with that. Uh, the soundtrack is great. It has a great soundtrack. Amazing. I didn't discover this until I played it um, on Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy. Yeah. What a funny inclusion. <laughs> That was a great game. Well, they needed to include stuff. <laughs> they, they had already included music from like all of the other games, and so they were like, oh, oh, what else what can we, we include? Uh, Mystic Quest, I guess. Yeah. Um, I actually really like, uh, and this is very unique to the Final Fantasy series, the kind of the face-on enemy uh, battles. Um, I like the giant sprites. I like how they change appearance as you wear them down. Um, it's just that it was such a... First of all, there was no story to speak of. I guess I thought Americans were too stupid for that. Yes. Um, As we all know that Americans aren't literate. Yeah, apparently. Oh, I can barely read. Are you kidding me? But, um, <laughs> well, you're Canadian, so you're just a half a step up. <laughs> I have no idea what the Japanese think of Canada. But um, I, I wonder, like, I never asked. 
I wonder if they think about it very much. I, I've seen that like parody picture where they talk about in Canada, they ha- we have the BC bud and our only identity is we're not American. <laughs> I'm sure that they would talk about Vancouver. Oh, probably. Because there is a large Japanese population in Vancouver and they seem to be hyper aware of where there are large concentrations of Japanese people. That's true. I don't think... E.g. like San Francisco and Hawaii and that kind of thing. So. But uh, yeah. yeah, they didn't think we were very smart, I guess, because Mystic Quest, um, it's just not a very interesting game. And that's just, that's really sad because for some of the reasons I already mentioned, it really had the potential to be kind of interesting. I did read about it back in the day and I've always been aware of it and I've watched Let's Plays of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess that... Final Fantasy Mystic Quest is a case of a publisher should respect its audience. I agree. And I think that a lot of people would say, oh, no, if you go to the lowest common denominator, like, that's the best way to do it. But Final Fantasy Mystic Quest doesn't really go to the lowest common denominator. It dumbs it down. Oh, totally. There's a difference. It takes something that is kind of a hardcore game anyway Mm -hmm. and dumbs it down in the extreme in terms of... Even stuff like equipping armor, you know, it looks like we're to automatically equip oh, armor yeah, so right. you don't have to do any of that scary stuff. It was really, uh, right, it's a very insulting game. And I remember back in the day, that was one of the biggest reasons everyone hated it because that, number one, we thought like we were dumb. And number two, because I don't know how true this is, but some people believe that we got that instead of Final Fantasy V. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, that was the rumor. It's like everybody wanted. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we got Final Fantasy 2, and that was amazing. Now bring on Final Fantasy 3. Is this Final... <laughs> what? What's this mess? And, and I don't know. Like, So Final Fantasy was already a hardcore series. Yeah. So I had that rep, and that rep wasn't going to change mm-hmm. just because you dumped it down in the extreme. All you did was make it the worst of both worlds. Absolutely. That's exactly. It's the worst of both worlds. It didn't really get any new fans into the fray. It just pissed off old fans. I wonder, and maybe Axe of the Blood God listeners can tell me, there must be people who still like this game, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure it has its defenders. I'm pretty sure I've heard a few. I was looking all over the place for its defenders. <laughs> I wasn't finding anybody. <laughs> It uh, it has some a bad reputation. Kotaku said it was the worst Final Fantasy ever made. Mm. It's thin on personality, uh, not particularly memorable. It just is notable as being the easy one. The easy one. <laughs> the dumb one. Yes. And it wasn't until the following generation that Final Fantasy VII came around and console RPGs were finally popularized yes, although for the buying public. One thing I said on my Super Mario RPG review is I think that helped bring people to the fray as well because people... You think? I think so. Uh, I wonder how it's sold. I don't know. That's a good question. But like, there's people like my husband, for example, who is not a fan of RPGs and he just really liked Mario RPG and I have talked to several people who are like, oh, I, I was never really a big fan of RPGs but I really enjoyed Super Mario uh, RPG and since then I've I've loved RPGs. Of course, it didn't convert nearly as many people as Final Fantasy VII, but I think for many people it was their first. Uh, it was not my first, but it was one of my first. Oh, really? And yeah, because Final Fantasy Legend, I think, was my absolute first. Oh boy, that's a good one to start with. So there are some others that I've also played, but yeah, I recall that when I played it, I don't remember thinking of it as an RPG. Oh, yeah. Even though it had the even though it had the name in the title, Super Mario RPG, <laughs> right there. I feel like it wasn't. I just kind of played through it like it was this weird isometric Mario game. Which it was that um, too. Because 
It had they they kept a lot of action. I put that in scare quotes elements, but also it uh, it, it kept the RPG stuff to a minimum. <laughs> had a story. Yeah, it did have a story. It had characters. It had things, items, <laughs> things. Equip. All right. Number two on our list of bad SNES RPGs. Are you ready for number two, yes. Nadia? Have you ever heard of Draken? Yes, I have. I actually, I haven't played it myself, but what? I think that, um, I think maybe Parrish was the one who just did a video on that game. Um, is that the, the one where the 3D sort of viewpoint, right? Yes. Yeah, and it was It's up so ugly. It's pretty ugly. Holy crap. It's one of the ugliest RPGs that I have ever seen. If I'm not mistaken, it was one of those instances where they took a computer game and turned, tried to make an SNES game and it with very very mixed results no it doesn't work (laughs) i was watching them play it and so like there's this weird first person perspective as you're traveling over the overworld and then you fight monsters and then your party is just kind of wandering back and forth going uh it's uh, uh, uh." it's really it's really bad and slow and ugly and unintuitive. Yeah. What the heck is going on with this game? Apparently it's very obtuse. And um, I think the way Paris described it is if you gave it when it came out, it came out before like the SNES really caught on as an RPG machine. If you had that time to dedicate to it, you see some really good ideas. But for the most part, it's just like a big fart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Maybe. But I'm not necessarily the kind of person who says, believes that a game should get a free pass just because it has some interesting ideas. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not something that I ever wanted to play as a kid, even when I was looking over game magazines. It's just like, ew, what is this? I mean, yeah, it does. It looks, I mean, not like an NES game, but definitely something that was made in the late 80s, mm-hmm. which it actually was. <laughs> there you go. It has a nice uh, CG. I believe CGW completely panned it and just called it a nightmare of a game to play (laughs) also on the PC. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, there were a number of games that were ported from the PC Mm -hmm. over to the SNES. And I would say that outside of maybe SimCity, most of them were very good. Yeah, SimCity, but SimCity also put in so much of its own effort to make it really adaptable for the SNES. They gave it that charm. They gave it those, like, you know, the fix the menus so they're not so mouse dependent uh very few computer conversions did that to the snes that's carmen san diego was on the snes was it really i forgot about that it was oh. there was where in time what is carmen san diego on the snes uh also what else was on the snes uh wing commander made it onto the snes oh, that's right yeah and no. <laughs> no Mark Hamill? No, that was not a game you wanted to play on the SNES. That was definitely a game that you wanted to play on the PC. Yeah. It came close, though. Like, they did their best mm-hmm. to cram that thing onto the SNES, but it didn't work out so well. Right. Another game that was kind of loosely based on the PC, on a PC game, though it was quite different and is also on the list, Lord of the Rings Volume 1. That's one I okay. have not played, but that sounds like it would be... Uh... God, I remember The Hobbit was on there, too, wasn't it, the SNES? There was a couple of Tolkien games. It came out several years before Peter Jackson made uh, his famous movies. Mm-hmm. And the, I would say that, see, it came out in, like, 95, I want to say. Really? So it was and 
yeah, it was later, and you wouldn't know it because it's not an attractive game. Okay, so I'm thinking of the same game as you are because I remember it came out very late in the SNES life, and I remember looking at it and saying, ew. I remember reading about it in gaming magazines and that it got panned. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm thinking of the same one. And it's by Interplay. Mm. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting because this is a period when Interplay was actually kind of at the heart of, height of its powers. Yeah, you know what? They actually, speaking of PC ports, they actually did a very good port of uh, Out of This World slash Another World. It ran a lot slower on the SNES, but it still was very playable, and I really like the soundtrack they added to it. Hmm. This was the period when Interplay was busy putting out stuff like Stargic Judgment Rights, right. which is just a terrific, terrific adventure game. And I, I believe this was also the period when they were putting out games like uh, Fallout. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, so uh, they were the founding of Black Isle Studios was just around the corner. Mm. So Interplay was really good, but uh, it seems like they weren't necessarily sure what to do with the console. <laughs> they tried. So Lord of the Rings Volume 1, you're playing as the the Hobbits. That's right. And trying, uh, basically playing through Fellowship of the Ring. So you, and uh, it has really bad combat, <laughs> like terrible hit detection, really bad hit boxes. It's basically kind of an action RPG-ish mm-hmm. kind of game. Uh, you're fighting wolves. The wolves have really erratic movements and annoying hit boxes, and you get hit a lot. It's really slow. It's really ugly. The it looks really outdated. Mm-hmm. Oh, and get this. You can't save on the cartridge. Where the hell are you supposed to save? You don't. You use a password system. Oh, oh, that's great. That's what I loved about the NES. Bring it back to the SNES, please. In 1990 freaking 5. Yeah, 1995. <laughs> right? I mean, when they had battery saves on the friggin' NES, yeah. they couldn't they couldn't make it onto the SNES. Wow, that's a budget game right there. Hell, so much so. And it had the usual find the thingy to get the thingy, find the find the ore to cross the river. The ore, like a, a freaking paddle. Like you need ores, like paddles. Okay, why not? So go into the forbidden forest and fight the wolves and the. Uh, <laughs> I'm just bad. picturing all these like wargs guarding a paddle and just like killing them for their stupid paddle. Speaking of which, there is a. A, a Shadow of Wars coming out, yeah. which is loosely based on Lord of the Rings. And, I mean, I guess people would call those the best Lord of the Rings games ever made, but has there really ever been very good Lord of the Rings games out there? You're, I, you are asking the wrong person, because I, I do not know. Um, I, I guess EA did those did a, a strategy game that was pretty good. Oh, and there was, there was actually a JRPG-like... Uh, Lord of the Rings game for the GameCube, I think it was. Oh, you might be right. I do think I remember also uh, Hobbit games, at least one. Uh, maybe. Uh, they were making ones based on the movies. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So there were there were, there were were the movies that were based just entirely on the movies. Like, I played Return of the King, and it actually wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't great or anything. It was kind of your traditional 3D beat em up and everything. Had lots of very set piece heavy. I got it from Gamefly, beat it in a weekend, <laughs> had a good time. I feel like I might have played at least one of those, some adaptation or another for GamePro back in the day. I reviewed it. It was like some back of the magazine thing, dusty oh. corner blurb that I had to write. <laughs> uh, yeah, that game that I was telling you about that was kind of like a JRPG was a, it, they based it on the actual lore, mm. but they 
made it like this is something else that was happening at the same time as the movies so we get to tell a whole new story like ea like to do that yeah. they also did war in the north was that a, a lord of the rings uh, story yeah it was based on the war against the witch king in the north that you don't really see in the movies or the books mm-hmm. but are described i guess in the appendices where the dwarves were i i believe it was the dwarves were holding out in their final fortress okay so so they turned that into a a real-time strategy game oh that sounds kind of interesting yeah it wasn't bad but yeah lord of the rings i mean i guess it's not i guess it hasn't had as tough a history in video games as harry potter has or superman the fact that they haven't found a way to turn make a harry potter rpg that's a good is point. the biggest is the biggest disgrace of the past 15 years. No, you're right. And you know what? Chucklefish is about to release something like that. Uh, a Harry Potter RPG that's not Harry Potter. And these are the guys who published Stardew Valley. So it's probably going to be pretty damn good. But it's not going to be Game Harry of the Potter. Year. I already know it's Game of the Year. <laughs> you heard it here first. Is it coming out this year? Oh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, it'll be out next year, probably. Probably for the best. Game of the Year. <laughs> Okay, so we've done Draken, we've done Final Fantasy, Mystic Quest, we've done Lord of the Rings, Volume 1. Here's another one for you. This one is another game from a beloved series. All right, are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. E3. Okay. So you recently played E's, Nadia, so you've kind of gotten into them, but you haven't played E's 3, I suppose. No, uh, this is Wanderers from E's, right? The 2D one? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I never played that one. Not an overhead game? Nope. Instead, it is a side-scrolling game. Mm, that's uh, not a choice they stuck with. And it's real bad. Is it? Did you play it? Yes. That bad, eh? It it really dumbs down a lot of the aspects that people really like about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the side-scrolling hack and slash, just it doesn't particularly work. Story's really thin. There aren't many dungeons. It's just... It doesn't work in almost every way possible, and it's generally regarded as the black sheep of the series. Yeah, but they also remade it. I think that's um, Oath and Felgana uh, yes. is, the, is the remake, which is one of the best in the series, so redemption. Yes, they remade it into Oath and Felgana, and then it became good. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they do like remaking those Ease games. They do, and you know what? It's probably really profitable. Yeah, but the, I mean... It's unfortunate that they decided to take that route. I guess they were trying to make it more council friendly. I, I don't so. know, like because back then, I mean, New Home Falcom has always been a PC developer right. traditionally. So while their games were making it on a console, I think they were PC first. So I, I, I'm curious to know what their mindset was yeah, with this one, especially since I don't know if you've seen the box art for that game, but it has like this real buff looking dude on there with like some weird ass mm. winged hat, and it's like, are you Adol? I don't think you're Adol. No, no, you are not, Adol. You're a dude. Definitely with a hat. not. A funny hat. You're a dude with a hat. <laughs> Don't have much to add about E3, except to say that it is considered the black sheep of the series, which is just goes to prove that not everything is better on the SNES. Yeah, just play Oath and Felgana, and you're good. All right, and the final one in this list of the really bad SNES RPGs. Uh, Nadia, you threw this one out. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to let you lead the way on this one. Secret of the Stars, oh. which, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was looking into this one. <laughs> First of all, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. It looks, here's the thing about Secret of the Stars. Um, it was made in 1993, but it wasn't brought to America until 1995. Like We're talking about a month away from Chrono Trigger. 
so if your parents bought you Secret of the Stars instead of Chrono Trigger, um, put them in like a really bad nursing home or something because that's just a terrible, <laughs> terrible thing they've done to you. It's just, first of all, the box art's creepy. I can't look at that box art directly at it. It, it, it curses me every time I look at it. It's just, it's not even like terrible. I can't describe why it's uncomfortable. It just makes me uncomfortable. Everyone looks like a cereal box mascot from hell. Um, but it looks bad, it sounds bad, the translation is terrible, which is funny, because it took two years for the game to come over here. Uh, who made it? That was Tecmo, wasn't it? Or Temco. Uh, that was someone who was not... I thought Secret of the... Correct me if I'm... No, no, I'm thinking of Paladin's Quest. Chemco, is that the name? It's something cool. Or was it Tecmo? I think it might, it might have been Tecmo, because it was called, like, St- Tecmo I'm Secret pretty sure it was Tecmo. Yeah, good job, guys. I know that was not a good game mm. in any regard. That was like no. the Quest 64 of, of uh, Super NES RPGs. Man, Quest 64, what a turd that was. Oh my god. The Secret of the Stars, on the face of it, it looked like kind of your run-of-the-mill RPG, right? Yeah. Like you're going, yeah, it's, it's serviceable, doesn't really have any new ideas or anything, but whatevs. But it's really slow. Yeah, it, it's very slow. It's just... It really does play it like a 1992 RPG in 1995. You, you don't need it. Them and their cereal box mascot-ass faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would say avoid Secret of the Stars like the absolute freaking plague. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too bad because Secret of, it's like you think, oh, Secret of Mana. Nope, Secret of the Stars. Oh. So a few other games that I kind of came across when I was like looking into the worst RPGs in the SNES. Um, people seem a little split on this one. Paladin's Quest? That was, um, that was an Enix one, right? Yes. Was that the one with, where you have no MP or, or you sacrifice your HP to, to kill enemy, enemies? I spells? believe that is the one, yes. Yeah. You gotta use your HP to, for spells. It, it was pretty. It kind of had a fantasy star look to it. Yeah, it, it, you're right. That's what, it reminded me of something, and that's it. It was fantasy star. Um... Yeah, people really seem divided on it. Uh, I think I read a review by RPG fan that gave it like a 1 out of 10 or something. <laughs> they did not like it very much at all. There's some people who say that it's good, uh, but it seems pretty dated. Like, it just really has does not hold up. Mm-hmm. The best I could say is that it had kind of a nice art style. Yeah, it was interesting looking. There's Obitus, which is just an atrocious D&D style game. That one, there was something about that that I, I saw that was... Oh, that was by Sony... Uh, what are they called? Psygnosis? Something like that? Mm, yes, Psygnosis, yes. And yeah, they have like, I think the their icon, which is like an owl, is a monster from that game or something. I don't know, but that's all I know out of it. I mean, not much to say about it, aside from the fact that it's another PC kind of game, and it's really obtuse and, and not very fun. Shouldn't be on the SNES. Pretty much. Uh, Inindo, Way of the Ninja, which looks like it needed to be on the nes <laughs> i looked at that and i'm like oh this is a very uh, retro game for its time yeah it was not a good looking game and that's a uh, and then uh, another uh it's a game about uh, nobunaga isn't it like a um yes it is a nobunaga like style game yeah. yes man japan loves that uh, that uh the romance of the seven kingdoms yeah, thing yeah it's just, it's just like i see nobunaga in so many interesting well positions i guess is the way i want to say it I mean, there was that Pokemon game that was uh, basically Nobunaga's oh, God, yeah. with Pokemon. And that was really cute. I enjoyed that. Conquest, that was it. I had, forgot, I had forgotten about that game. Yeah, Nobunaga had a Black Rayquaza. I'm like, oh, man, that's badass. And the last game, uh, Seven Saga, mm. another Enix game. 
notoriously hard. Yes. Like insanely so, where I believe if somebody said that you walk out of a dungeon and you just get immediately smashed by a bird. <laughs> Beware of the birds. That was... Uh, it was interesting. Oh, sorry. I was going to say that was interesting because um, it had random encounters, but you could see them in on a radar, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the interesting thing about that game was that you could pick from one of a number of different characters right. and play through their story, right? Including one who was like evil. Oh, cool! And it was not a bad looking game for its time. Yeah, I, I remember reading about it in Nintendo Power and being like, "Cool!" Yeah, I remember reading about it too and thinking it was really interesting how you could play as like a different character class. I mean, obviously, I wasn't really huge into uh, computer RPGs. Otherwise, I'd be like, "Well, big deal." But no, it you could play as like the villain. It was rad. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, but they tuned it to be much more difficult for the American release, I believe. And it was already hard. So it was one of those uh, things they did where, I guess because of the rental market, like, uh, screw you, Americans. Oh, man, was that why? That's why a lot of games are, were tuned up, although not so much on the SNES. Definitely on the NES. God, Interesting. What they did to Castlevania 3. Still I, I thought that, I always thought that games were tuned to be much more difficult just because, I mean, they were coming from an arcade background and also because... Like, I mean, these games didn't have a lot of memory. They had to make them short. So what are you going to do to account for the fact that they're short? Make them hard. Well, they were hard. A lot of them, as you say, were hard to begin with. But like, uh, for example, Castlevania 3. Uh, you know how in a Castlevania game, if you die when fighting Dracula, like, you traditionally start at the at the foot of the staircase that goes r- straight up to him, right? Uh, Castlevania 3, if you die, you have to do the whole level again uh, in, in the American version, not in the Japanese version. And Dracula has three forms. Mm. So sounds like Cuphead. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the, <laughs> the Dark Souls of Castlevania of Cuphead. Yeah, I've been playing Cuphead. I played Cuphead earlier today, and man, having to start over the entire level—if you lose your three HP—oh, that sounds like it's meant pretty for you, Miss Ninja Gaiden. Oh my God! Yeah, it's, uh, Ninja Gaiden though it has checkpoints. That's true. <laughs> this does not have checkpoints. Oh dear. If you die on the boss at the end of the level, you dead. Ooh, poor Katie. She's the one reviewing it. Yeah, she's the one reviewing it. I feel bad. Okay. Do you have SNES RPGs or other terrible RPGs that are also in your own way? Just you want to highlight how bad they are? Uh, drop us a line, usgamer at usgamer.net, or send us a message at the underscore catbot, or just leave a note in the show notes. Okay, Nadia, it's time for the Final Fantasy IX report. All right. Yep, so um, Final Fantasy IX. I am... I just finished the Ice Cavern. So that means I basically went through the play. I Mm -hmm. went through... I crashed the ship, the airship. Uh, I went through the Evil Forest, which is a great name for a forest. Uh, And that, by the way, I remember now is where my game crapped out. Like, right at the beginning of the forest. So I did not get far at all. The Evil Forest. The Evil Forest. They did not think that out. Uh, and then, again, I did the Ice Caverns. Uh, and now I'm in a town, I can't remember what it's called, Dias or Dias or something like that. Um, but yeah, so far so good. Everyone's really cute. <laughs> it's a very charming, cute game. Everyone's, you just want to kind of hug them. Except for the... So, so let's start with Steiner. That's who I was thinking of, yep. You don't want to hug Steiner? Um, he's a weirdo. I mean, I, he's not weird, but like he's just like kind of at the point where... Since he wants to protect the princess Garnet, 
who's been quote-unquote kidnapped, and he's kind of been dragged along for the ride. He's just always on uh, Zidane's ass, his tailed ass, and um, it kind of got old fast, but I kind of like the way uh, Zidane reacts to that. Like, there's one point where Steiner is sleeping on his feet, and uh, Zidane just kind of walks by and slaps him (laughs) to wake him up and keeps on walking. I thought that was great. So Steiner is the captain of the guard in Alexandria, which is where uh, Garnett is from. Yeah. Um, And Steiner, uh, I mean, he's kind of a knight. He, uh, he's the leader of the guard. He uh, is a big believer in honor, that kind of thing. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like Worf. Yeah. (laughs) He's exactly like Worf, now that you mention it. I was getting his ass. He's a really over the top Worf. Yeah, yeah who is just determined to get uh, Garnett back to Alexandria, is single-minded devotion to duty and everything, Mm -hmm. but just seems to be along for the ride, despite everything. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, he's kind of an antagonist, kind of. Yeah. But he's also a lot of the comic relief. Yeah, he's basically Mr. Comic Relief. Do you find you? But it sounds like you're start. You find him a little annoying, at least at the start. Yeah, I'm sure he'll. It's just like standard RPG stuff. I'm sure he's gonna like you know fit into the group sooner or later. <laughs> Maybe I, I mean I, he. I seem to recall that he has quite a few detours along the way. Does he have some character building to go through? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think they all have a fair amount of character building, except maybe Freya. That's too but bad. I, I, I have like Freya. <laughs> I remember not liking him very much in Final Fantasy Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because, just because he, I didn't like his character design back in the day. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It reminds me of like the Tin Man, but something about it is is just not very appealing. You, you're right. He's a little short and fat, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> not very knightly, to be honest. But they're all kind of short. And he has, and uh, he has this tiny little sword. Yeah, he does. When he holds it up in the victory pose, it's like, oh, aren't you cute? Have you been using him in your party? I haven't really had a chance to switch out anyone yet, so yes. Um, I've Do I even have four people? Yeah, I do. I have Garnet, Zadan, Vivi, and uh, Steiner. So my recollection is that Steiner is actually one of the best characters in the game. I'm already getting that impression because I'm kind of getting a, a handle on abilities. And mm-hmm. uh, just already he has abilities that make him like really strong against bugs, birds, you know, animals. Anything that needs to be killed, he can kill it. He's a very, and he has, um, he can pair up with Vivi to do like kind of a magic sword strike. So, despite not liking Steiner very much, I did find him to be probably the funniest character. <laughs> Just because he's bumbling, mm-hmm. but heart of gold, constantly like really chastened or annoyed, all the bad things be befall him. And he's the kind of comedic character that I really like who's just extremely earnest. Yeah, yeah, he's very To the earnest. point, extremely earnest, and then, I mean, he's like the definition of the straight man. Yeah, he really Like, he's is. never equipping it. He's the erg, the super-powered straight man, I guess, mm-hmm. and just completely one single-minded, and those kinds of characters just always really appeal to me, like the ones who don't have any self-awareness whatsoever. Yeah, like, I have an uncle like that who you can troll very, very easily, just, <laughs> just like, really irritate him by, like, saying... Just like just like really offhanded things, and like his blood pressure will go through the roof. So you meet Steiner in the in Alexandria right. during the Great Caper. Yep, where you are kidnapping uh, Garnett, mm-hmm. who, as it turns out, wants to leave. Yeah, so it worked out really nicely. 
One thing I appreciated that I didn't really notice back in the day, but I appreciate now, she was wearing a white mage yes, uh, robe. I noticed that. That was great. I really liked that. And she is a white mage. She's the healer of the party. Yes. Uh, though, not forever. She does eventually take on a different job. Oh, are there Spoiler jobs in this art? I mean, kind of. I yeah, mean, kind of each character has their own jobs. role. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like you get to select a job, but... I mean, Zidane is kind of a thief. Mm-hmm. Vivi's the black mage. Um, Garnett's the white mage, etc. Um, sword arts are in there. Freya's a dragoon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's it, story driven stuff. It it hews to the usual Final Fantasy Nine jobs. Right. So what did you think of the play? <laughs> the play was a lot of fun because you get to do like that sword fight, um, mm. which I'm usually not a huge fan of quick time events. But this was like I get it twice so that I could get the audience happy because the first time I screwed up. And uh, I tried to make the queen, like, I tried to get 100% approval so the queen would be happy, but she never was. So I was like, I'll screw this, and I took off. The quick time events were not really a thing back then. You got a point. You're right. I, I forget where quick time events were famously introduced. I think Shenmue. But... That's what I've heard. I never played it. Was it Shenmue? I think so. Okay, so that would have been the Dreamcast yeah, so then. Right. So, I mean, and the Dreamcast was out by the time Final Fantasy IX came out. Mm-hmm. So but the... maybe they were inspired. I don't know. Could be. The the show, uh, the Canary show, uh, reminded me a mm-hmm. lot of the opera from uh, Final Fantasy VI, and that's almost certainly by design. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I mean, is there singing in the in the play? No, you didn't have the, the fake like SNES synth singing or anything like that. It wasn't that close, but the storyline and everything and the kind of the interactive elements, it was very, it reminded me very heavily of uh, Final Fantasy VI. It really gets the story off to a quick start, it does. I think. Yeah. Because there's just so much going on and it's so zany. You, you have to chase through the castle. Mm-hmm. It really does feel like a caper uh, up until the very end. Yeah, until they crash the ship. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Uh, I just want to highlight one more thing that I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the cutscene. What did you think of the cutscene? The cutscenes are great. Um, especially, are you talking about the one in particular at the end of the show where everything crashes or just like them in general i'm talking about there's a scene where they're getting away in the airship uh-huh. and the queen is dancing around going crazy oh yes and she orders them to shoot the cannons yeah. with the the grappling hooks that was pretty great that was pretty awesome it's funny my husband happened to be kind of looking over at that point he's like oh i know this cutscene." scene and like i said before he's not an rpg fan so it, it has staying power apparently it connects to the ship mm-hmm. And starts to drag it down. It's really just art. It's really artful. It is. It's one of the best looking cutscenes that I've seen in the PlayStation Two, the PlayStation One version of the game. Yeah, it's choreographed uh, well. M- much better than anything I saw in Final Fantasy One uh, Seven, probably Eight as well. So colorful, mm-hmm. uh, so attractive. Ends with um, a a bomb, like a you, yeah, you know the, the enemy. The enemy getting fired out and uh, and then you have to fight it it's basically like a boss but it doesn't like grow behind steiner or was it steiner where like they're like turn around there's a bomb behind you and it's like oh you can't fool me and <laughs> it just blows up yes there was that bit uh that was pretty great yeah, yeah. that's the thing about final fantasy 9 it actually might be the funniest final fantasy it, it's it's very lighthearted. I, I know there's serious moments in it just because i know but uh no, it's a, it doesn't take itself very seriously. And when you look at the state of Final Fantasy after that, it's nice. Have you had any of the little vignettes, that are, the little 
I mean, are they? Oh, they wouldn't really be Dragon Quest style. I mean, the best I could describe is Tales of style, like, the kind of the, like vignettes, the active time events. Yes. Eights. Yes. yes. Have you encountered many eights? I have encountered several eights. Oh, which one's your favorite so far? Oh shoot, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, but they are very. Oh, I remember now. One of the characters from the airship that crashed, uh, who's part of the band that uh, Zidane was part of, he lost his Garnet doll. And he's like, I can't find my Garnet doll. I can't sleep if I don't have my Garnet doll. And that was kind of cute. What do you think of the Act of Time events? Have you been inclined to go over to them? I usually go over to them, yet uh, Because um, it's funny, when I first encountered them, I thought they'd be something like, um, I don't know if you've played Wild Arms, but you'd switch between characters at the beginning of the game. I thought it'd be like, okay, now he plays this character for a while. But no, they're very much just, they're an interesting way to interject like a little bit of personality into the characters you don't, that like, you know, instead of stopping the story and going over them for a bit, it's just a good way to to get the story across in a quick, easy way. I just like them because they're hilarious. They're usually pretty funny. They never cease to make me laugh. Yeah, They're pretty goofy. (laughs) I, I really like them. Yeah. So, okay, so you are there for the play, you pull off the caper, you kidnap the princess, but the airship is grievously damaged mm-hmm. after a phenomenal cutscene, mm-hmm. and you crash in the evil forest. <laughs> in the evil forest, the great evil forest. Uh, do you have anything to say about the evil forest, Nadia? Uh, I hate the plant that kidnapped Garnet. It's an asshole. Uh, it absorbed her power while uh, attacking me. Um, I came kind of close with that battle, because especially, if I'm not mistaken, you don't really get a chance to grind uh, early in the game against those those first couple of boss fights. So you have to know what you're doing. I did lose a party member or two, but I got him. They're dead. They're gone forever. Oh, no. Phoenix down. <laughs> okay. Okay. They're back. They're back. Phew. And well, yeah, I, my recollection is that that plant is pretty vulnerable to fire though, right? Yeah. You can just use fire on it till it's dead. Yeah. But you don't have um, Vivi at first. Like the first time you fight Oh, it. right. Vivi shows up later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah, he just rushes uh, it. That's the end of that. R.I.P. R.I.P. Plant. Screw you. Answer to everything, fireball. <laughs> when all else fails, use fire. Says That's it right the old there. maxim of D&D. Fireball. Fireball. When in doubt, fireball. I thought it was magic missile. Or magic missile. That works, too. But what... So this is also the first time you see a, a trance attack. Yeah, and it's like, oh, so from Final Fantasy VI... Even kind of the same color. So this is the, oh, yeah, it really is, isn't yeah. it? It's very much reminiscent of Terra's kind of Esper mm-hmm. form. Esper form. Yep, definitely got that boost in power, magic power, and attack power. Uh, it's interesting, because there's that from Final Fantasy VI and something from Final Fantasy XII, which I've also recently played. You have the Mist, which is what kind of, you know, in, in most basic terms, that's where enemies come from. Again, Stephen King inspired, I guess. But... The mist screws things up. It makes monsters. It it's just a bad place to be, and that's the reason why the forest is called the Evil Forest. Is because it's filled with mist. And early in the game, they're trying to get out of the forest. So they can get above the mists where things are less screwy. Yes, mist is a a major part of Final Fantasy IX's story. I'm trying to remember if it's appeared in previous Final Fantasies. Uh, I don't recall. I don't think so. I know it's definitely not been in 4, 5, or 6. No. I'm trying to remember if it was in 1, 2, or 3. I don't think it was in 1 either. It so. definitely wasn't in so, 1. Okay, so it was kind of a relatively new thing for 9. Yeah. 
Because I remember that Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles a few years later on the GameCube definitely had missed. I never played Cause that. Because the, the whole point was that you were carrying, you had the pot bearer mm-hmm. who, was, who had the special bubble that was protecting the party mm-hmm. from the horrible mist that was going to kill you. <laughs> so this was kind of a late 90s, early 2000s idea. It really was, wasn't it? Because uh, Legend of Ligeia was the same thing. That was also like a late 90s RPG. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't remember having very good memories of the fo- Evil Forest, except that it kind of slowed the, the story to a halt at that point. Yeah, it's, it stops for a while because you have to uh, basically rescue everyone. Like, uh, you have to find Garnet, of course. You have to find Vivi because they all get separated. Um, you also have to fight Baku, who's the leader of the uh, the band uh, that Zidane's part of. And Baku says, no. well, I'm staying here. I can't go searching for princesses and... Zidane says, well, I'm going out to search for the damn princess, and Baku says, well, I'm going to beat you up, and says, okay. So, <laughs> so they beat each other up. <laughs> it's very moving. So yeah, I mean, having to get everybody back and everything, it kind of slows the momentum of the overall story, and then after you finally get out of the evil forest, and it's, uh, then you're basically traveling, because you're trying to get to Lindblum, yep. I believe is the name, yep. which is a different capital, and at this point, it's well, it's not filler exactly, but it's definitely kind of in between. You're just traveling. The Ice Cavern, I think, feels like a throwback to Final Fantasy III. It reminded me more of Final Fantasy VII with the Mithril Cavern. But uh, one thing that is interesting about the Ice mm. Cavern is that you fight against a boss who looks like Vivi. So there's a story there. Yes. Tell me about that. Uh, you fight against, basically, he's a, a evil Vivi. Uh, no one really says explicitly, hey, you look like Vivi. But like, uh, he's definitely like kind of a dark wizard. He's got red robes instead of blue robes. He summoned some jerk seal thing that killed me. Um, but I got a, I, I beat him. And uh, he's part of a group. He's not really telling me much about himself, but he's part of a group, definitely. And that's all I know about that for now. It's almost like the uh, the race, the ring race from Lord of the Rings, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Oh, I was just and thinking, so just that- picturing Vivi as a ring wraith. That's so sad. <laughs> He's uh, the cutest and sad, the cutest and saddest little ring wraith. Yeah, Aw, the little ring wraith that could. I mean, obviously in Lord of the Rings, Frodo gets stabbed by the uh, the Morgul sword, mm-hmm. and if they had left him for too long, he would have been become the tiniest ring wraith. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Oh my god, I forgot that turn. Just watch out! <laughs> He's going for the knees, going for the ankles, <laughs> Just kind of hold uh, back. Just with your foot. It's okay because hobbits are a fictional race. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, they remind me a little of that. Did did they question? Did they sh- did the ring? R- sorry, not the ring race. <laughs> did that enemy just come out of nowhere, or did they show where that enemy came from? Um, I'm trying to remember. I, he just kind of seemingly pop out of nowhere. So, but they did just kind of show a shot of a cliff where like there were two other somethings waiting up there. So okay. it's probably part of the group there. So they're and they're definitely harassing you through the early part of the game. Yeah, they have they have an agenda. There's a there's a really great chase scene that I'm really looking forward to and getting to that really got my heart racing the first time I played Final Fantasy IX. Sweet. That it, uh, that involves them, but okay, so yeah, that's the first time that you encounter them. But like, really, like the evil forest and the ice cavern. Kind of fillery. Yeah, but the nice thing about Final Fantasy IX and on the PlayStation 4, though, is that I can fast forward through a lot of this stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Is that is that what you've been doing? I've been, like, doing a little bit of grinding with the fast forward, um, but also, like, just because the cameras take forever with the battle scenes. Oh, my God. God, yes. So, for some of the encounters, yes, I do just kind of speed through them. But I'm not, like, cheating by using, like, the 99.9 tack or anything like that. Is the load time faster? Not really. <laughs> no, it's still kind of slow? No, the battles pen very slowly. Hmm... No, that's too bad. I, I feel like that's the one thing that really hurts Final Fantasy IX and makes me less inclined to go back to it. it might it's be, so great in so many ways, yeah, but... It might be a little faster on the on the PlayStation. I can't remember in terms of the, the PlayStation 1, but um, yeah, I just kind of... I do have to say that the fast-forward function is a little too fast. I really wish you could have options for like making it like you know fast, faster, fastest, because it just kind of goes from zero to... <laughs> Those are your choices. Zero or... I really like uh, one thing that stood out to me just looking at it though is how you were complaining about how hard it is to navigate the the pre-rendered backgrounds. Yeah, I'm a little more used but to them now. I really like how animated they are. Yeah. They added a lot of little animations and everything that make them feel really lively. Yeah, I will say that for them like I still don't think they upscaled very well for the HD you know, oh heck no! <laughs> um, the polygons look great. The uh, the characters like they look fantastic, but the backgrounds are on are like, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, they um, they do they obviously did pour a lot of effort into those backgrounds. And that's one thing I do love about PlayStation era Square is how much effort they put into their environments back in the day. Man, I I just can't believe how fast they turned that game out because they really. They really had it down to a science at that point, didn't they? They did. It's really impressive because it's like, I mean, it's not a half-assed game by any means. It's it's very clear on what it wants to be, and it delivers that experience. So, God, just thinking of the days when Square Enix worked that fast. Well, it was just really a case of Sakaguchi and his guys just hitting on all cylinders. That's true. And... Ah, I mean, they had not hit the point where the Great Collapse happened. <laughs> it is kind of <laughs> sad looking back at uh, the credits for Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy VI, looking and seeing like Sakaguchi's name in there, and it was like, ah, I kind of miss you, dude. I mean, how different would gaming history be if they had not gone crazy and decided to make Spirits Within? Uh, somewhere there's an alternate universe. <laughs> maybe, or maybe not, because maybe it was inevitable. Maybe... It was inevitable that a guy like Sakaguchi would get so, I don't know, confident in his abilities that he'd be like, I can make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do this (laughs) thing. thing. And I'm going to live in Hawaii. And it's going to be amazing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's one of the greater tragedies, I think, of gaming history in general is looking at how they were firing all cylinders up through Final Fantasy X. And then after that, completely fell apart. So you got out of the ice cavern, which is really, like I said, just kind of filler. And then you uh, you made it into, uh, what is this area that you're in now? It's I haven't really played much into it, but it's a, it's just basically a little town. And uh, I went into an inn and uh, did a little bit of talking about this and that. Um, I can't remember any specifics about that, but I do remember Garnet was like, oh, where's my room? And they're like, oh, you're sleeping uh-huh. in our room. And it's like a standard inn setup where you have four beds in one room. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess the girls do have to sleep there, don't they? Typical road trip, right? Basically. Typical RPG road trip. <laughs> RPG road trip. Isn't there a bit where you end up stopping at a fort or something to that yeah, effect? Yeah, you're right. Um, you can detour. There's a fort to the... I can't remember what direction it is, but it's basically... Um, 
on the border of Alexandria. And, uh, yeah, I just kind of stopped there, but there's not really much there. There's a woman who sold me Not much there. So you can't, like, go through it or no, anything? No, it's locked off. Okay, so we and we have reached the point where you reach your stopping point. Yeah. We've seen the trance system. We've met Steiner. We got the princess into the party, and we're heading on to Lindblom. What do you think of Final Fantasy IX so far, Nadia? Yeah, so far, really enjoying it. It's a very classic feeling JRPG, which is what it mean, which is what it wants to be. So yeah, I'm I'm enjoying its lightheartedness. It has a, a very cute tone to it. Its characters are are very cute. I like Zidane I, I, a lot, actually. He's a he's a cheeky little monkey, I guess. He's okay. <laughs> I find his character design really weird. I, I, to be honest, I find everyone's character design in Nine really weird, except for Vivi. Yeah, well, I mean, just the fact that they're 3D and then they have that just kind of look to yeah. them. I, I don't a know. Very cubie doll, like precious moments, sort of. I definitely didn't like it back in the time, and I still find it a little weird even today. The super deformed 3D, super deformed but realistic 3D look. I could see, I can understand. I don't remember myself, but there was probably some pushback because look what happened to Zelda when it, was, when it went serious, then it went down to like you know, kind of the cel shaded Wind Waker style. Everyone lost their minds. Whereas Final Fantasy went serious with 7 and 8, and then, hey, everyone, we're cute and small. I, I guess it was just, it was distinctive. Yeah, absolutely. If nothing else. Yeah. It did stand out. Uh, as for Zidane himself, uh, truth be told, I remember his existential crisis, and I remember his history and his background and who he is, and I guess I find those elements mm-hmm. pretty interesting. I mean, he has a little bit of a... He's a little bit like Locke, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the the thief with the heart of gold, Locke though really not as not as dashing yeah, as Locke, Locke but yeah, Locke is definitely better. But beyond that, like I don't know, Z- there's not a lot about Zidane that stands out in my memory. Mm-hmm. I think it's because Final Fantasy IX, more so even than a lot of Final Fantasies, is such an ensemble story. It really like, is. The cast. Yeah, it starts like, off with like you know a play, so that kind of sets the mood, doesn't it? I would go as far as to say that Zidane is very much upstaged by both Steiner and Vivi. No, definitely Vivi. And Garnett, too, to an extent. I I feel like they all have, uh, for like a large portion of the game, I would say that Zidane is just kind of along for the ride. (laughs) Hey, guys, I'm still here. Hey. I mean, he's an instigator. He's the character that you're controlling and everything. But all the other characters are maybe a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's that's my feeling right now. Maybe that'll change as we keep going. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> it could be. All right. So you, uh, this has been the second part of the Final Fantasy IX report. We're going to continue right along kind of on a weekly basis. We might start adding in the Secret of Mana report mm-hmm. as well. Uh, so let's keep going into the reader mail, Nadia. All right, Nadia, as always, we have our listener mail, and we did the first part of the Final Fantasy IX report last week, and we have some comments, so let's go through them really quickly. We have Godot's 17th Cup. <laughs> Final Fantasy IX is one of those games that I'm probably going to keep playing for as long as I'm physically and mentally capable of playing video games. It's such a wonderful, funny, charming, heartfelt, romantic, swashbuckling adventure, yet it's also filled with darkness, melancholy, and questions on things like the nature of identity, death, and loyalty. I just adore it! <laughs> Now, if only SC could release a version that does those pre-rendered backgrounds justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just what we were talking about. 
Sketchlayer Josh says, I love Final Fantasy IX. You love Final Fantasy IX. Who wouldn't love Final Fantasy IX? The characters are lovable. The music and art is gorgeous. It's got a great tone that manages to stick out from the deluge of Squeenix brand brooding too prevalent during the early 2000s. It's great. But Sketchlayer Josh has something to add to that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Too bad it killed the mainstream viability of JRPGs for a while there. That's What do you think of that statement there? Uh, that's an interesting thing to say. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> it's not Final Fantasy IX's fault entirely, but the game sadly is emblematic of the flaws that would wreck the genre for about a decade. The battle system is simple and intuitive, but is so slow. Mm-hmm. The camera swoops around and the enemies take their sweet time to take turns. It's all little things that add up to combat that drags into a mainstream gamer feels boring. It's a PS1 problem, really. Yeah. I've fallen in love, known betrayal and loss, then finally come to accept and peace in the time it takes for one of Legend Dragoon's battles to get started. <laughs> but by the time we reach Final Fantasy IX, the allure of cinematic flourishes to combat had faded and it became clear that the setup needed to be fixed. But it was fixed in the wrong way. Instead of making the battles snappier, most devs thought the answer would either be make JRPG combat more complicated or more to move to a hybrid of real-time and turn-based action like the Tales series. These both fixed the issues of boring battles, but it so did so in a way that made the genre more niche and hardcore-focused. It wasn't until Persona 4, maybe, that there was another traditional JRPG with crossover appeal and combat that didn't take its sweet time getting started. Hopefully, the PS4 version of FF9 and its ability to speed up the battles will allow more people to discover this gem in a way that is more compatible with the modern audience. And then the lessons it taught, both good and bad, can help inspire the genre going forward. Well, Nadia, I'm going to go ahead and disagree yeah, I think, with the main thrust of this article. Yeah, I think I have to as well. I mean, thank you for the comment. It was very interesting. But I think, as Kat said, it was more of a PS1 problem at the time. And something we were just talking about earlier is, uh, you know, inserting more action elements into RPGs. Like I said, I think that's what really drew a lot of people to Super Mario RPG. So I think that it made it less hardcore than more hardcore. But that's just where I'm coming from. I I think more to the point, the game that came after Final Fantasy IX was Final Fantasy X. Right. Which was still a turn-based game in every respect possible, except that it was much faster. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. And that game was as popular as ever. It it did extremely well. It was a big deal because yeah. it was a graphical showcase on the PS2. RPGs were just as popular on the PS2 as they were on the PS1. Mm-hmm. You might even say more so because they, while they weren't, you know, a supernova that they were on the original PlayStation, they still had a very large mainstream audience. Japan was just as dominant as it had ever been yeah, that was on the a, PS2. That was like a big time for them. A lot of people say the PS2 is one of the best JRPG systems of all time. Yeah, see, so, I, agree with that, but I think that's. A- I mean, one of them, one of them. Okay, I, I can succeed. I can succeed to that, but I'll- I didn't say the best. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I think the SNES is clearly better than the PS2. Yeah, but the PS2 did give us Persona Three and Four. That's true, and those were very important games. Also, like Nocturne. I mean, there are a lot of great uh, RPGs on the PS2 that uh, that. I mean, I could go through my drawer right now, and I'd be seeing them. <laughs> Final Fantasy X was also pretty good. Final Fantasy XII was also pretty good. So, and yeah, I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're lacking for good RPGs in the PS2. Right. It wasn't until the 360 and the PS3 that things really went. Yeah. Really went to crap. That was an interesting time. Yeah, I would even say the Tales games were really at their height on the PS2 with games like, uh, I believe, it was Tales of. Uh, 
I don't even remember. <laughs> I do not remember what they were called. Tales of something something. I, I was never a fan of Tales, so. There are a couple of the most beloved Tales games are on the PS2. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone will so. remind us what it is. Yes, uh, I can never. Yeah. In any case, no, it wasn't until the following generation that JRPGs really kind of hit the rocks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I would say that Final Fantasy IX did not kill the JRPG. No, definitely But not. interesting theory, though. Uh, Victor Hunter, the remake of Nine is kind of my dream. In a perfect world, I'd be able to turn on the original font and stop trance from auto-activating, but the little adjustments that have been made are really fantastic. Disabling random encounters a godsend. Oh, God, yes, yeah. especially... Have you been turning off random encounters? Uh, how I don't generally avoid random encounters because that's the way I level up. But uh, a couple of instances I have in, in 9 just because I wanted to explore something out of the way. And again, those battles take forever. So, But I never take turn it off for long. And the updated character models are more impressive as I notice more and more details. So glad you're playing through it. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Also, Quinna is the Final Fantasy character of all of the year, all years. <laughs> I actually met her. Uh, in, she was in the castle in Alexandria in the kitchen. So yes. I'm sure I'll be seeing her again. Best character. She's a weirdo. I, I, I Okay, Steiner. I said Steiner was the best. I, I think Quinna has the, is the funniest. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> all right rider kicker i spent one month playing final fantasy 9 got through most of the game except for the last dungeon this is kind of a common theme i mean i got hung up there too yeah. however my love for moogles to get, got the better of me and i just gave up due to my chasing down the mail side quest turns out i failed in delivering a letter to a particular moogle and i forgot which so i got pretty <laughs> bummed out that i didn't unlock that last portion it is recommended you speak to every moogle you see nadia yes. don't feel ashamed to use a guide have you been doing that i haven't t- speaking to all the moogles i met i mean they saved the game so that's good <laughs> did you yeah just a reminder that the guides for final fantasy 9 stink because it didn't release an official one it was all online oh that's right yeah and they're all gone now aren't they uh, i don't know i probably have to check I for just them remember but i mean complaining about how they bought the they bought the guide and found out they got basically paid for URL or something. I, I don't know the full story. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it was all on the internet. It was a thing. The internet was alive <laughs> on 56k motives. Good times. Cho- Chocobo Hot and Cold was annoying at first, but it did grow on me as I got addicted to finding all those treasure pieces. Never found any useful equipment, but an excuse to explore the best world overworld ever. Oh, that's a bold statement. <laughs> Until Final Fantasy 15 was pretty nice, and getting that golden Chocobo was pretty cool. Yep. Can't play PSN Final Fantasy IX right now anyways. I am playing through Yakuza 0, and if I spend that 17 bucks, that's 17 bucks I could use towards saving up for a Switch. Rider Kicker, get a Switch. Yes. Get a Switch. a Switch. You are doing the right thing. Hope to hear about the reports next week, and good luck, everyone. I hope I'll get an SNES Classic, but I doubt it. Uh, Godspeed, my friend. Godspeed. All right. As usual, we'll be back next week. Talk more. Final Fantasy IX report and all of the other things. But for now, Acts of Blood God is a US Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Follow us on all of the social medias. That would be Twitch at US Gamernet, Twitter at the underscore cap on US Gamernet, Facebook at US Gamernet, and everywhere else. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. I'm at the underscore capbot. We also have our other podcast, the US Gamer podcast, every Wednesday, except not except this, this Wednesday, week. Nadia. <laughs> we, our dog ate it. <laughs> I love that post by Mike. That was fantastic. Uh, our dog ate it? Uh. <laughs> the shrug. And that's why we have multiple redundancies, folks. So when a computer crashes, we don't lose the entire freaking podcast. Yeah, that was that was a thing that happened. Ooh, that was a little frustrating. 
But we have a new segment, apparently. It's, what should Katie be playing? Oh my god, why are you so young? <laughs> why are you such a baby? Turns out she never played Tetris. No, she said she has, and Mike was just making fun of her. Oh, okay. Everyone, I, I see. Everyone's played Tetris. Well, there's a pernicious rumor going around that was on the stream that she has not played Tetris. I would hope so. Because I would have to come over <laughs> to her house and like basically open her mouth and jam it down her throat. And uh, Don't do that. I'm not even a big Tetris fan, but everyone should play it. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Yes, so, so we will be back with that for next week. And by the way, uh, as I said, once this podcast is up, I mean, if you listen to this podcast and it's a Friday, go check out our Twitch channel. It's US GamerNet to watch me play some SNES games. I should be in the middle of it. Yep. I may need a really big thing of coffee, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So and we'll be back next week, as always, with more great RPG action. And until then, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. And until then, happy adventuring. <laughs>